Welcome to episode 36 of Mansi, a podcast about the history of magic and its influence on our culture. In each episode, we cover a different Mansi or method of magic. I'm R.J. Walker. I'm a spoken word poet and writer. With me is my co-host, L. I'm L. Alder, a professional psychic and solitary eclectic witch. L. I want you to have this. Thanks. It's a crystal. Nothing more. But if you turn it this way and look into it, it will show you your dreams. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I see is, like, your reflection, like, right here. Okay, I was quoting Labyrinth. All right, I was quoting (laughs) David Bowie in Labyrinth. The classic. The classic. Uh, So, originally, I was going to write an episode on labyrinths and mazes. And then I was like, I'm going to quote Labyrinth at the beginning. And then I found that quote and I was like, oh, you know what would be easier? <laughs> Crystal balls. Crystal balls. Because I literally f- finished writing this episode <laughs> this morning. We're back to screeching in like fucking Akira uh, with writing the episode. We just were like fucking off in Santa Fe and just didn't get anything yeah. done. <laughs> uh, so... <clears throat> Uh, without further ado, this is another one of those like low hanging fruit things that people think of when it comes to divination. The image of like the Romani fortune teller, like Zoltar, like hovering over a crystal ball to tell you things to come is like all over our pop culture everywhere. Uh, we see it in movies like Labyrinth, of course. The Goblin King's crystal ball is actually a contact juggling ball. Mm. Uh, a fushigi, if you remember <laughs> the old commercials of uh, what the what the fushigis are. Fun fact, though, about fushigi. The commercials depicted it as a magical device that enabled incredible feats of, like, magic and style. In fact, uh, the commercials were done by professional contact jugglers, and contact (laughs) juggling is a skill, just like regular juggling. Just owning a fushigi isn't enough to grant you the skills of an expert contact juggler. Uh, The little crystal balls were written off as a scam, and it kind of pissed off real contact jugglers. (laughs) And that's why you don't see fushigis everywhere. That's why people aren't, like, fushigiing in public, like in the commercial. Fushigiing in public. It it takes years of training. Like, it's hard. Um, But they still sold millions and millions off of the commercial. But is it really a scam? The stunts performed in the commercial are possible. Uh, They just didn't inform people about the amount of practice needed (laughs) to master them. What do you think, Elle? Is it a scam? I don't I don't think so. You know what I think is a scam that is like on the TV commercials? You know, the little uh, wiggle pets that actually have the fishing line on the front. Yeah, those are a scam. Fushigis are are those, Those are easy to do. Anybody can do that. I know, but it doesn't move on its own. It has the fishing wire and you can see the fishing wire. Am I upset about the wrong thing? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like fushigis are not a scam. I don't know. I don't know. What do people do with their fushigis once they're done with them? Uh, I don't know. Get bored, put them in a drawer, forget about them forever. Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> in any case, crystal gazing is a very old form of divination using scrying, one of the oldest divination techniques. And we've done scrying several times on the show with hydromancy and ketoptromancy, water and water gazing and mirror gazing. Uh, both of these are pretty close cousins to crystal gazing. It's been used by legendary magicians like John Dee, and it's also been used in stage magic shows. Mm. Uh, the crystal ball has just become a de facto symbol for divination for a, and it's been that way for a very, very long time. Like tarot mm-hmm. cards might be used more these days, but chances are your local psychic shop has a crystal ball as like part of their logo. Or that like was, yeah, side. mine. Yeah. Your, yours had a crystal ball? Yeah, it was a crystal ball with a lotus and the two hands cradling oh, basic, it. Basic. No, because it was blue, not purple. It wasn't my physical store purple. <laughs> it wasn't lavender. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, that would be basic as fuck because that's what everyone does. Uh, the first written account of crystal balls goes like all the way back to the fucking first century uh, with the writings of Pliny the Elder. So that's where we're going to start with our coverage of crystallomancy, divination by gazing into a crystal. So, Pliny the Elder was an ancient Roman author and philosopher and military commander and friend of the emperor and a, just a bunch of other fucking stuff. <laughs> um, we don't know how, exactly how much of it might be lies because he wrote about all of it. So, uh, according to him, he is all of these things and his writings have survived for so long, Mm -hmm. so that's why we know a lot of the things we know about ancient cultures. But again, the Romans were super fucking biased about everything, and a lot of what they wrote was for the express purpose of cultural genocide Mm -hmm. uh, and propaganda, so Mm -hmm. there's that. Um, But he he probably did do a lot of things, and then he wrote about those things. (laughs) Uh, He wrote about soothsayers. Mm-hmm. He met during his travels who used a device called Crystallum Orbis to predict the Ooh, future. Crystallum Orbis. Crystallum Orbis. I like that. It's a crystal ball in Latin. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it's cool. <laughs> it's cool because it's in Latin. The most cursed and magical of languages. Um, I'm not exactly sure what region Pliny the Elder was in when he made these observations. My best guess is Europe, as we have other old records indicating crystal balls were used by the Druids. Mm-hmm. By the 5th century, crystal ball scrying would be all over, like, the ancient Roman Empire. Or, yeah. Like, the ruins of, of, of it. <laughs> um, and, you know, it had expanded quite a bit. The Roman Empire, big, big empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... When Christianity kind of took over and became, like, the main thing, crystal gazing was deemed to be heresy Mm -hmm. and idol worship. Mm -hmm. Many of these crystal balls that were used uh, for scrying were sold as treasures and jewels, the spoils of war. In one such case is the Scottish crown jewels. Uh, Legend has it that the scepter of Scotland features a crystal ball said to have belonged to the ancient druids. Mm. Of course, this is only a legend, and I haven't found any good evidence to back this up, but that's that's the rumor, is that 
their crown jewels, the, like their crystal ball gazing, mm-hmm. which was like the crystal ball was an important part of their culture because druids yeah. refer to Irish magic if you want to know how important these motherfuckers were. Yeah. They're like, oh, we can't use this for magic anymore. But you know what's a kind of magic? Money. Now it's the crown jewels. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, there's evidence, um, there's like several kinds of crystal gazing, uh, and it can be done with any shiny object or crystalline structure. Really, you can use a chunk of quartz or a convex mirror or a mirrored bowl, uh, similar to catoptromancy, which is mirror scrying. Uh, most use a ball, though, because of how it distorts the light. And you're probably most familiar with, like, the crystal ball on the pedestal, but palm balls, like the ones the Goblin King has in Labyrinth, were just as possible and actually more common because they're more affordable. In fact, your crystal ball, L, is a palm ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, they're called palm balls. Palm balls. Palm balls. You hold the balls in your palm? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. see. Yes. So there's that. <laughs> Uh, While palm balls were the most commonly used, the crystal ball's pop culture appeal in advertising and at carnivals (laughs) resulted in larger, more elaborate crystal balls, ones that require a stand and sit on top of a table. This doesn't mean palm balls weren't used anymore, but with crystal ball readings becoming a novelty, palm ball users began to introduce contact juggling into their readings until eventually it became more about the contact contact juggling than the reading because it was obviously cool. Yeah, um, that's, I would be like, no, that's fine. Just keep doing tricks, though. And that's where we get our image of the Goblin King and his magic like crystal that he just like contact juggles around and uses oh, for spells and stuff. Okay. Uh, it's also what allowed the Fushigi to make 10-year-old me believe that it was pure magic. <laughs> Wait, do you think it's a scam? Have you been scammed by the Fushigi? You know, I really wanted one and my mom was like, no, it's a scam. How much were they? I think they were like probably nineteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine, something like that. <laughs> thirty uh, bucks probably sounds better. And, and though. it came with like I think, I think it was like forty bucks, and then like thirty nine ninety nine came with two fushigis and a book of all the tricks. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, but I understand. Yeah, <laughs> commercials hurt me. Um, <laughs> Part of the trick of contact juggling is the crystal itself. The way it distorts the light makes it difficult to tell if the ball is rolling or static. In addition, crystal balls can mesmerize and captivate you. In fact, that is how divination with them works. Uh, Research has been done on crystal gazing. The typical way it's done is by staring into the crystal, crystal, the crystal, crystal, staring into the crystal, um, (laughs) and, and you enter a trance. The way it distorts the light can have a similar effect to what we discussed in the catoptromancy episode. Gazing into the crystal can actually cause you to dissociate and enter a dreamlike state. Uh, I'm going to go into the research in a bit, but first, I will say that the research has concluded that gazing into a crystal does cause visions. So that's confirmed. Mm-hmm. However, the nature of these visions, whether or not they're truly prophetic, has yet to be determined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while there is no scientific evidence of clairvoyance, there is evidence that it can be used to awaken dormant memories in the visions of the gazer. In the book, Anomalistic Psychology, Anomalistic Psychology, (laughs) Mm, mm -hmm. uh, a study of magical thinking. That sounds really interesting, actually. I probably want to read that. It's a whole book, and it was published in 1898. Oh, I don't know if I want to read that. And then a new edition was published in 1922. Uh, Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, 
the, it reads, <clears throat> this was an early investigator. Uh, Morton, Pr- Morton Prince was an early investigator of crystal gazing and one of the few ever subject to subject it to scientific scrutiny. He found that the images may be forgotten memory images, that the susceptible subjects, the crystal ball, could be dispensed with. And that scrying seemed to occur against a background of psychopathology. Mm. So whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> um, other studies appear to support this. Psychologist Melias Culpin wrote that crystal gazing causes a form of self-hypnosis mm-hmm. that causes fantasies, desires, and memories to play out in the mind of the gazer. Analysis of the study suggests that the hallucinations experienced by crystal gazers – I keep saying crystal. Crystal. Crystal gazers can result in them replaying old memories, even experiencing sensory stimulus like activating taste and smell memory. Mm-hmm. However, the study also determined that the hallucinations experienced by the crystal are extremely subject to bias. I mean, mm-hmm. every, everybody has bias, but you can bias the results yeah. of what they see. Uh, For example, one subject was told to expect to see soldiers in the crystal ball. And sure enough, the subject saw visions of soldiers. Yeah. This supports the theory that crystal gazing induces self-hypnosis because hypnosis can open you up to outside influences. Mm -hmm. And mm, that's not the only use of hypnosis, but it is one of the more represented features in pop culture. Mm Mm-hmm. So when a crystal gazer is asked a question by a client, the visions they see will likely be connected to dormant memories or experiences within the crystal gazer. Uh, the different reader, like different readers might give wildly different answers because they will have wildly different visions from mm-hmm. their wildly different lives. Mm-hmm. Still, the fact that these hallucinations happen at all has been enough to influence our history. One of the most remarkable things about the crystal ball is how it has been used all over the world in cultures that have had little to no contact. It's just one of those things that worked like magic, so people everywhere started doing it. From the ancient Druids to Native Americans to Egypt to China. Crystal gazing and crystal scrying has been a thing. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately... Some of the specifics are difficult to nail down. It's been hard to find any substantial records of crystal ball rituals that are detailed enough for me to, like, really talk about with confidence. Okay. Uh, Some of them are also closed practices, so I'm not going to talk about those. However – Wait. What are the – could you just tell me what the practices are from that have closed practice around crystal scrying? Because I don't know this. uh, Well, they don't really put – put it out there but when i was looking up things regarding like the iroquois and algonquin crystals oh, okay uh crystal gazing in native american culture yes there w- was wasn't closed. well there wasn't a lot of details and a lot of it was like just they do it and then there were no details and that indicates so to closed, me yeah. that it's a closed practice i just was wondering because i haven't heard of um i guess i don't know of any slash many cultures that traditionally use it, use it still. And I definitely didn't know of any practices that were closed associated with it. So I just was curious. Yeah. And it's not just like crystal balls. It's just any crystal gazing Scrying at all. At all. Yeah. Okay. The ball okay. thing comes from the druids. Um, oh. And we're going to talk about that. Okay. Because uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the druids because it's the best documented because of 
yeah. Pliny the Elder um, and <laughs> okay. other Roman accounts. Crystal balls um, used by the Druids weren't like perfectly clear crystal. They were more like your crystal ball here that's the smoky quartz. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically they were tinted a color. Uh, and these crystal balls were called barrel. Barrel was typically green, but it also came in colors like blue, yellow, or even the smoky black like yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were kept covered during the day and used to reflect the moonlight during Ooh. scrying. In fact, it is very likely that these dark crystal balls inspired the crystal ball in the Lord of the Rings. The Palantir, if you remember, <laughs> you saw the Lord of the Rings, right? I did, but I can't remember the crystal ball. Okay, you remember the scene with like Gandalf? And, uh, well, I guess Saruman has it. He's got yeah. his crystal ball. And then Gandalf takes it. And then uh, Merry and Pippin are playing with it. And they see the Eye of Sauron. And Gandalf yes. is like, fool of a toque and, like, covers it up real quick. You remember that scene? Yes. Yeah. So this is, like, a really important thing in Lord of the Rings lore is these crystal balls. Okay. Um, and it's called the, the Palantir. Um, Saruman uses this dark crystal to communicate with Sauron. The Palantir in Tolkien's Middle Earth is a magical artifact that allowed long-distance communication between people who had other Palantir balls. Uh, But also, it showed the user real events. However, to use the Palantir, you needed an exceptional mind and will. And even then, the visions are not exactly trustworthy since you don't know if you're viewing the past, the present, or any number of potential futures. A being of great power like Sauron could use one to seep anywhere in the world and even dominate the mind of a person who was using one. Mm -hmm. There are eight in total, varying in size and power. And in Lord of the Rings, Sauron. Uh, Sauron has one and Saruman has one. Uh, Sauron being like the most powerful fucking dude. Uh, he can pretty much dominate anyone who dares use the Palantir. And it's assumed that this is how Saruman was corrupted. Gandalf made sure to always keep the Palantir covered by a cloth so that Sauron couldn't view la- their location or corrupt or yeah. dominate anybody else. Mm-hmm. Of course, keeping the crystal ball covered with a cloth is a standard practice in the real world and is highly recommended. And that brings us to our extra spell. <laughs> this extra spell is brought to you by us. <laughs> We're bringing it to you. Uh, go to patreon.com slash mancy to uh, help support the show. And it also gives you access to some exclusive Mansi content. Okay. So you've all probably seen most professional psychics or crystal gazers cover their crystal ball with a velvet cloth. And if you remember the Catoptromancy episode, the haunted dark mirror needed to be constantly covered with a black cloth to prevent paranormal shit from happening around it. (laughs) The idea of covering up the scrying instrument with a cloth is timeless. And we discussed how things like mirrors are believed to be portals and also Elle's fear of mirrors and how she covers them all up with a cloth. Uh, Well, part of this practice might be connected to crystal balls because crystal balls are actually quite dangerous. And I'm not kidding. I'm serious. If you have one, keep it covered and don't use it outside during the daytime. Ask yourself, have you ever seen a fortune teller with a clear crystal ball sitting outside in the sun? No. No. No, you haven't. <laughs> because they keep that shit in the tent yeah. or the caravan or the shop. And there's a there's a reason uh, uh-huh. for that. I'm going to tell you. You're probably thinking, ooh. It's the ghosts. What spoopy <laughs> ghost story is RJ going to tell us about haunted crystal balls? Okay, here we go. Here's one. Our story takes us all the way back to the ancient year 
of 2021. <gasps> last okay. March. Literally last okay. March this happened. Okay. Uh, like, just barely. <gasps> and it also takes us to the faraway place <gasps> of Wisconsin. <gasps> Wisconsin. Wisconsin. In Midwestern United States. Uh, a single crystal ball caused over $300,000 in damages. <gasps> It could have very well killed the family who owned the crystal ball. They thought it was a harmless ornament and not an object of great power, a power well known to ancient peoples throughout the world. And when that power was unleashed, it destroyed their entire home. The best way to contain this power is by keeping the crystal ball covered by a cloth. And I'm going to tell you that this one is 100% proven by science. Like, yeah, no this bullshit. happened, yeah. Uh, ex- experts in the field of forensics have confirmed that the crystal ball was the cause of this home's absolute destruction. And it has destroyed many other homes before. In fact, entire ecosystems have been wiped out by the power contained inside of crystal balls. And that power is known as the burning Glass. <laughs> this sounds metal as shit. That's what they call it? The burning glass. The yes. burning glass. The burning glass. <laughs> well, the burning glass is something you've actually <laughs> probably seen or used before. Yeah. Um, you see, when the sun is out and you hold a convex or spherical lens in direct sunlight, it focuses the solar radiation into a fine point, concentrating the energy, burning whatever is under the lens. And for this Wisconsin family, their ornamental crystal ball acted as a burning glass when they placed it in the window. On a very sunny day, the sun shone through the window upon the crystal ball, which focused the sun's energy on their couch, which then ignited and burned down their entire fucking house. I would be so mad. (laughs) Wow. Who's does does it say who bought it? Was it just like. Yeah, it was just like a family ornament. They were like, this is a cool decoration. Oh, my God. Uh, This is far from the only case of a fire started by a crystal ball. In central Oklahoma in 2004, a crystal ball caught somebody's couch on fire. Mm -hmm. And then when they were trying to figure out what caused the fire, it caught someone's pants on fire. And then they were like, (laughs) oh. They were testing the hypothesis that it was the crystal ball (laughs) starting the fire. (laughs) In this case. Was he a liar? Uh, Were they like, see, Jeff, you lied. We knew it. We knew it was the crystal ball. No, because his pants caught on fire. In this case, and this is even more enraging, the crystal ball was moved from the mantelpiece onto the couch, which had light shining through the window on it. Because the grandchildren wanted to play psychic. (gasps) No. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, crystal balls are not to be fucked with. <laughs> uh, always, always keep a cloth over a crystal ball. If you'd like to display one for ornamental purposes, I suggest like a Palantir replica or some other kind of solid non-refracting lens. L's are cool. They're smoky quartz. There's like, you know, things inside of the quartz, Inclusions like air bubbles and, and stuff yeah. uh, that that prevent the burning glass effect. Um like, do that if you want to display one as an ornament uh, and keep the clear glass crystal balls inside in a windowless room uh, or covered by a cloth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might be thinking, what about the Fushigi <laughs> and other contact jugglers? Well, 
they use their crystal balls outside, right? The commercial, everybody's outside, contact juggling. Well, professional contact jugglers know to keep their palm balls inside their case when they're not using them. Keep a palm ball in your palm pants. (laughs) Never leave it unattended. Right? Because they know about the burning glass effect because they're fucking professionals. Yeah. Um, And the Fushigi... Well, fortunately, Fush- the Fushigi Corp, or whoever made it, had the <laughs> foresight to put a metal marble inside and then it's resin on the outside. So it's not actual crystal. Yeah. And like the metal ball, sometimes mm. rubber or white, uh, prevented the burning lens effect mm. and instead gave it more of like a mirror within a crystal. Uh, made it more magical. It yeah, it made it more magical and also prevented a lot of lawsuits on their on their behalf because they sold millions of these things uh, to like yeah. n- naive people, uh, kids who mm-hmm. leave crystal balls on couches because they want to play psychic. Even uh, I have a clear crystal one, the one in my room, and that one is it's not glass all the way through. It just is like a I don't know. It's hollow on the inside. Mm. Do you, I don't know what you would call that, but even that, and you can tell it wouldn't do the crystal ball effect. The the burning glass. The burning glass. The burning glass. We had one of these crystal balls that I searched high and low for. I had to go all the way to Arizona to find one, to even get one, to buy one, to sell in my shop. And I sold it for, I think, $300. Wow. Last year, yeah. I kind of wish someone hadn't bought it because then I could have been like – Whoops, I just have this very expensive, huge crystal ball. It was like a 12-inch crystal ball. It was enormous. Yeah, that, that's the one I thought you had. No, a bitch can't afford it. I need well, I, I thought, need a sugar daddy. Well, I, I thought it was from your shop that you just like still had it. No, it got sold. It was oh. like during right the beginning of COVID, one of our regulars came in and she was like, what's the most expensive thing I can buy from you right now? And I was like, this. And she was like, great. So it just she tried to do it to help us stay afloat it didn't work but she's great of course ancient peoples knew all about the burning glass effect and that's why they kept that shit covered until they needed to use it and typically did the divination at night and then uh probably used it to start fires during the day who knows yeah easy way to start a fire uh well yeah christianity had gripes about crystal gazing believing it to be heretical a new surge of interest in crystal gazing uh, was came about in the 19th century, along with the rise in interest in spiritualism. Uh, as we know, people got uh, a little crazy about looking for ghosts in uh-huh. the late 19th century, early 20th century. Uh, it warranted scientific study. And one such invention from these studies is called the Campbell-Stokes Recorder. It's a really cool-looking piece of technology that was invented in 1853, modified and improved in 1879, and is still in use today, exactly as as redesigned in 1879. Really? Like, that's how fucking cool this is, because it, it worked so well, and it still works. It features a large crystal ball set into a wooden bowl. A card is placed in a slot in the stand, and the sun's rays on the sphere activate the burning glass effect and the card is burned. The depth and intensity of the burn is measured. And we do this to measure the energy output of the sun throughout the year and monitor things like solar radiation and planet temperatures and how intense the sun gets. Is that how they found out about the solar flare like last week or two weeks ago? I am not sure. I mean, it probably registered on the yeah. on the burning glass. They keep them around like the equator. That's uh, so cool. Yeah, there's like several... Can 
you go see them? I want to go see yeah, them. Yeah, you can go see them in the in the equator. Uh, in the equator. You yeah. just go inside of the equator yeah, and just like, like hello. Op- you just open the door to the equator. You're and like, you hello. In. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this data is absolutely crucial for meteorologists yeah. and astronomers because they can look back at trends and see how the intensity of the sun has changed the radiation, yeah. over the decades. And because, like, it's still so effective, the data is all consistent from 1879 to now. So they have all these burned cards that they have cataloged I don't want to look at them because I think it's just <laughs> going to get scary. Like, I bet that it just gets more and more intense. Like, the closer we get, the less ozone we have. Yeah, well, the greenhouse effect is different than uh, the intensity of the sun. But doesn't it – wouldn't the sun get more intense because of it, that going away? It feels that way, but it's actually the sun's heat getting trapped in our oh, atmosphere, right, right. not the direct sunlight. And then occasionally we have like the solar flares. Yeah, it might have gotten more. really scary when they were looking at that solar flare yeah. that just happened that was like a 7 out of 10 rating uh, that was like everything was fucking irradiated like – Fallout three for 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 a hot minute there, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they, and they're just fucking really cool to look at. So cool that people decorate their yards with replicas called yard balls. That's your palm ball. <laughs> you got the yard, yard ball. ball in your pants ball. Yeah. You know? uh, and these aren't crystal because obviously that's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but they are mirrored spheres. They were popular in, the, in like 13th century Italy because it gave you something to look at in the garden. And the mirrored surface like distorts the surroundings and gives off a pleasant reflection. Yeah. Um, these were called gazing balls because like a crystal ball, they can totally mesmerize you. So you just sit in the garden and just like dissociate for hours. And this was a good time apparently in 13th century. What else Italy. would you do? There's what no else? TV. What else would you do? Get the plague. Most people um, can't read. Yeah. yeah like uh, It fell kind of out of style but then came back into style during the 1930s Art Deco movement combined mm-hmm. with the fascination with spiritualism and people using crystal balls in stage magic shows. Yeah. Uh, they were like reflecting pools, but without the maintenance. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, and part of the resurgence in them could also be blamed on the yard ball's cousin, the mirror ball. In 1925, nightclubs were adorned with these reflective spheres that would illuminate the room. And then they were like, bro, what if we like broke these up into like tiny little mirrors? And then we put them on the ceiling. And then disco balls. we shine light on it. Yeah. And it creates a light shower effect. And this is what we call a disco ball today. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Uh, butterfly effect. A butterfly flaps its wings. A, a druid has a, a crystal ball. Plenty of the Elder goes, this is chaos magic. And now we have disco balls. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this should be the next TikTok, the evolution, because that is pretty cool. I know. that I. It's really weird that I'm trying hard to make this, like, interesting, like, weird history content. But, like, I mention a weird linguistics fact and everybody loses their mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so like, please listen to my podcast. If you're here from TikTok, thank you. I love Thanks, you. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, and that is the extra spell brought to you by us. Patreon.com slash Mancy is where you can go to support the show and become a Stancy. As a supporter, you will get access to episodes as soon as we're done making them. So no more waiting for part two. You'll also get access to exclusive Mancy content like pictures and videos. 
when we take them. <laughs> also, we do. <laughs> you'll have access to bloopers and mistakes and behind-the-scenes takes that get cut out of the regular episodes. This episode we had a uh, take – I don't even remember what, what I had to take about. But Were we talking about Wayne's World? Yeah, we had to take about Wayne's World. Um, <laughs> totally unrelated. Well, there was the one where I couldn't stop hiccuping. Oh, yeah. Those are great. <laughs> so anyway, you can, you can find those if you become uh, a Stancy at patreon.com slash mancy. So we've discussed the druids and their history with crystal balls. Honestly, if you want to know more about the druids because they were really important uh, and, like, what kind of divination they did and why they did it, um, then, like, check out our Irish magic episode because we talk all about, like, Celtic society and what happened to the druids. But as the Celts were being culturally genocided and Christianity began to take over, many of the barrel crystal balls were used as bloodstones. Mm. It's like super fucking metal. Yeah. While not every crystal ball became a bloodstone, the ones containing a mineral called heliotrope did. Uh, Heliotrope is found on the Isle of Rum in Scotland and in other parts of the world. But that's where the Druids got it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pliny the Elder wrote that the magicians, as in the Druids, used the stone to grant them invisibility. (laughs) It's like, look out. They go invisible when they <laughs> use the special stone. Okay. Um, a 14th century monk wrote that heliotrope, called bloodstone by then, uh, had the ability to make it rain, create an eclipse, add special virtue to divination, whatever special virtue means, <laughs> uh, and grant health and lasting youth. I think special virtue would mean, like, it would be more pure. It would be like a very, like, real, legit reading that they're going to source to get. Uh, The druids thought that it just looked cool. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And used the stones in their rituals because they were rare and they looked magic. Uh, They also made crystal balls out of them or had crystal balls that contained them. Uh, or pieces of them to use in various rituals. The Christian tradition, like, followed suit, believing heliotrope was magic, uh, and they were, and they were the ones who eventually called it bloodstone. Mm-hmm. Legend was that the flecks of red and green stone, like the flecks of red, and it's like a green stone, mm-hmm. f- red mm-hmm. freckles in it. The red freckles were the blood of Christ falling on the stone after his side was pierced by the lance of Longinus. So many of these bloodstones were left under crucifixes as representative of that. I never knew this, and I've sold a lot of bloodstone. Yeah? A lot of it, yeah. Yeah. It was a very common Uh, one. Roman soldiers believed bloodstone would prevent bleeding. (laughs) And so they adorned their armor with it whenever they stole it from Celtic tribes. Okay. Uh, In India, there was a similar belief. Bloodstone could stop bleeding, but you had to dip it in cold water and place it next to the wound. And in fact... Well, because it probably got it, cold, it so it would works. stop yeah. the yeah. It it's like ice. Works. Yeah, uh-huh. so like uh, icing something does slow the temperature. So having yeah. a cold stone would do a similar thing. But also, the red flakes in the bloodstone are actually iron oxide oh, rust. Okay, which causes skin cells to contract ever so slightly, slowing bleeding. Huh. Also, don't just go rubbing rust on wounds; you will get tetanus. 
but because it was <laughs> contained within the bloodstone, it didn't have tetanus. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it did. It just like died of tetanus. Like I mean, uh, the bleeding know. stopped, but now I can't move my jaw. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Gnostics held uh, beliefs that bloodstone were the blood of Christ, you know, like the regular Christians. But they were really leaning into the magical properties of it. They would wear the stone as an amulet to dispel depression, increase their lifespan, grant them courage, wealth, mm-hmm. and a strong stomach. Um, that would be – that's what a lot of people like to use it for. So it's like a really fortifying as well as grounding stone. It's also a really strong protective stone probably because of the iron keeping you grounded. So that's why it's a really popular stone even now. Like in metaphysics, it's like you can pretty much walk into any crystal or metaphysical shop and ask for bloodstone and they'll give it to you. Yeah. Or it's got Jesus flex. So what I always say is if you're into the Christ-like energy, which I am not, <laughs> but if you are. <laughs> New Bloodstone cereal with Jesus Flex. Um, Ew. <laughs> but it's actually just his dandruff. Ew. <laughs> Jesus has red dandruff. You know what? We don't, we don't well, question. Who even knows? Who questions the miracles of our Lord? Sacrilege. Um, Me. <laughs> <laughs> the crystal balls of the Druids were scattered throughout churches all over the Roman Empire as war spoils and like decorations. Um, mm-hmm. That you know includes like the barrel balls and like some of them incorporated obviously into the crown jewels and like they were just yeah everywhere. Anglo-Saxon nobles would wear the smaller ones like this as jewelry. So this would be like jewelry for Anglo-Saxons because like this is the OG flavor Flav. Yeah, it's a straight up crystal ball. <laughs> um, and. Yeah, I mean, they would secretly <laughs> – you can't put it on the <laughs> – L's struggling to put the crystal Oh, my God, it won't stay. Back on the stand. Stay, okay. okay. Um, so they still used it for divination in secret because the rumors about it being used for divination still existed because the church was like, don't use this for divination because it's bad. And they were like – And they are like, you can use this for divination. You can use this for divination. Uh, but they lack the ancestral knowledge of the Druids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the legends – Still really powerful. The fabled wizard Merlin was written as carrying around a barrel crystal ball to perform divination. Mm-hmm. It's also said that a crystal ball can view any event in any chronology, depending on the skill of the gazer. Mm-hmm. So, L, what do you think your skill as a crystal ball gazer is? Like 1 to 10 rating. Uh, I don't have any idea. Yeah. Probably higher than the average user. Maybe an eight, a seven or an eight. An eight? Yeah. I feel like an eight would be good. So you could like do like a Saruman and like gaze into the planteer and like see events that have happened and events yet to come. Well, I don't need the crystal ball to do that because just, I just do that. So it's like this weird, you know, it's like, oh, I'm like, do I scry? Yeah. Do I need to scry? No. I don't well. With that said, <laughs> Elle, shall we break out the crystal balls? Yeah. The palm balls? The palm, I got to hold both of them do you in wanna, my hand. Uh, do you want to talk about these specific crystal balls that you have? Um, yeah. So actually, I do know someone who shall not be named, <laughs> who is a reader that reads with crystal balls. And she has 13 crystal balls, or she calls them the 13 I've sisters. I've got big balls, and he's got big balls. And she has little balls the biggest. And, and medium-sized balls and a big ball. 
She's mm. got all the balls. All the balls. All the balls. Um, but she has a cauldron that she puts fire in. Like she lights stuff on fire inside um, of the cauldron. Pyro- pyromancy. And then she scries. Ooh, she scries through her crystal balls. Uh, hold on. I just need to mark really quick on the sign. Days without L hitting the microphone. Absolutely zero. zero. Every day it is zero because every <laughs> fucking day I like wave my hand and I hit my mic and it just is, you know, we're fucking, we're trying here. Anyway, um, yeah, she uses pyromancy to do um, crystal scrying and she's like, I won't actually tell you anything, but I'll get symbols or numbers or letters and I'll tell you those, which I think is kind of bullshit, but that's okay. So anyway, the specific crystal balls I have with me today <clears throat> One is a smoky quartz ball. That's probably like a four-inch ball. And um, I actually... Oh, a whole four inches. That's a four inches. It's big enough. It's all you need, right? I don't know. <laughs> um, I can't remember actually where I got this one, but it has a really cool like inclusion in the center. So you can hold it on one side and gaze into it. And then my other guy is actually a crystal ball that my mother got for me for Christmas one year. And she went to a gem show and she was like, I need a crystal ball that my daughter can read with. Like it has to be something that can specifically be used for divination. So this is one that she picked up and it has like one half of it is like very clear. Then the other half has... Um, I don't know, all this banding and really interesting stuff to look at. And so these are two of the several crystal balls I have at home that we kind of picked from that were probably the easiest ones to read from, I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, so we're going to be doing a reading for my friend Seattle, who is a professional hypnotherapist. Yeah. Um, and I might actually invite Seattle on the show. Uh, we'll see if Seattle yeah, wants, be super wants to be cool. on the show when we cover mesmerism. Yeah. Um, when that eventually happens. I don't know. It's going to be a big episode because there's a lot. I know. Um, well, and I was like with the labyrinth, um, RJ and I were talking about what we should do for the show. And we found a labyrinth when we were in Santa Fe, which, of course, we had to walk. And it was great. And I was like, oh, my God, we should talk about a labyrinth. And then we were like, oh, this is a whole whole ass it's a, thing. It's a whole thing. It is yeah. a whole thing, yeah. It's a whole thing and the research, there, there's a lot of like research. Like, it's it's one thing. deep dive, It's one thing to just like go on Wikipedia and follow the Wikipedia links. It's another thing to have to like go to like an old library and like crack open fucking paper <laughs> books and like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, here is Seattle's question. Okay. I want to know how to break myself free from a karmic cycle I've been experiencing regarding my relationships with others. Mm. And then Seattle's like, if you need me to be more specific, uh, I can be. But the situation itself is vague and it appears in many facets of my life. It is like a dense cloud that keeps me weighed down and I want to break free. Cool. All right. Okay.
Okay, Elle, you got your crystal balls. Yeah, I got the balls ready. And this is a great question. I really like this question. So let's see what we can find here. You're probably going to hear little, like, shufflings and stuff as I move the crystal balls around and I look at them. I mean, so I know it's like the duality of the piece, but it almost feels like there's um, two sides of the coin. And you're, well, you can see... um, Okay, you can see the tail sides, but you can't see the head side. So it's like you're missing half of the information about why it's occurring because it is not just um, about you. It's about all this other, um, all these other karmic people. And so a lot of the people, oh, interesting. Okay, so there is this, um, there's a common thread or tie between all the people that you're experiencing this with that doesn't have to do with you and has to do with them. So it's like this karmic attraction to you um, that you're kind of being, I don't know, being presented with or dealt with, but it's the two sides of the coin. And so there's something that these people get out of having that karmic experience with you that is not just about what you get out of it. Because I understand that you are um, able to kind of shake free is like the term I'm getting of your side of the karmic stuff of being like, oh, I don't really want to continue to do this. But you're missing the part where other people are benefiting from that. And also the fact that you've had karmic connections with all of these people. So it's not just about this karmic event that's occurring, but it's about the karma that exists with these people. So breaking free of it. Sorry, I guess I just needed to preface that with some information there. Okay, so I am seeing like little bubbles coming to the surface. So this feels like a slow release. It doesn't feel like just all at the same time. It feels like if you were um, in a in a pool, I guess, with um, an oxygen mask on, like you were scuba diving, and you just had the little bubbles coming out. That's kind of what it reminds me of. So there's like a very slow process of understanding and kind of gathering all this information and then the slow release of it. Um, and I would like you to start, um, or you probably already do some sort of meditation, but I would like you to start doing... Um, Akashic journeying with your meditation, which is like, I feel like a pretty big ask, but RJ was like, yeah, she's very like spiritually advanced. So I feel like maybe that's something that you can handle. But I think that Akashic journeying, so you can really understand and kind of pick apart those relationships would be really important because I think that part of what's happening is that it's like all of these little events seem so similar and seem like such the same thing, but really these little karmic things that keep happening have to do with the individual person and those individual contracts. So it's like you're kind of going through this process of getting rid of that karma with each individual person really quickly so you can cycle out and be done with it. And I feel like you have two, maybe three more people that you're going to have the same event with, but it's like cycling out. And so that slow release of oxygen, that slow release of air of bubbles feels like one of the most important um I don't know, like aspects of that, of like slowly over time allowing it to release. But um, can you message me (laughs) uh, maybe on my Etsy or through RJ? And I want to talk to you about Akashic Records and ways that you could do Akashic journeying with this, because that feels like the thing that actually needs to happen is like kind of expanding, expanding your knowledge on hypnosis and what you're doing there and looking more and moving more into Akashic Records. So you can look at that because that's actually part of your journey in this lifetime of understanding and working with the Akashic Records. And that karma, um, those karmic cycles, I guess, are coming up as like a, hey, there's a that you need to learn, that you need to understand, that you can like incorporate into other stuff. So please um, reach out to me through my Etsy, which is Laurels of Lux, or through RJ, and let me 
talk to you about this. Um, I guess if other people are interested in it, we, we should probably do an episode on Akashic Records at some I, point. I don't know if I should write that episode. That's probably that is, true. That is your expertise. That's probably that true. Is, that is your expert zone. But um, I would say that you're very close to ending this karmic cycle. And it's not necessarily so much like one large karmic thing, so much as you're only kind of seeing one half of the coin as well as its multiple karmic connections that are getting um, sorted out at the same time. So it feels like another year, maybe a year and a half of having these similar things, but that that energy is finally getting released. And yeah, talk to me about Akashic Records so I can kind of chat with you about um, using that in meditation. I'm going to switch to my other ball and see if there's... You're going to switch to the other ball. Other ball. Time for the next ball. The next palm ball that I have in my hand. Um... Yeah, it's just like... So much of what I'm getting is like the ice is cracking, the bubbles are coming up. It just feels like you're really at the point where it's um, moving, it's changing, it's shifting. Like this is um, a cycle that you've been stuck with, but that is leaving very quickly. So like you're almost at the tail end of this going. So there's not really anything necessarily that you need to do to affect this or to make it move quicker. So much is just kind of understand that this is part of the journey use it as an educational experience and as an experience to understand yourself better um look a little bit more broadly at things and look a little bit more at specifics of situations to understand kind of what that common thread is and then doing some akashic journeying um i think would be really really useful for you yeah okay Seattle, I hope you liked your reading. I hope that's useful for you. I hope you understood it. <laughs> I know, it's super esoteric. I don't, I don't know if I'm... You. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sometimes when I do readings, I'm like, well, that was just super esoteric. And I hope you get it. And if you don't, uh, let me know. Yeah. Um, the, I, I told Elle that this episode is kind of a shit post where <laughs> uh, we talk about, like, we demystify a lot, <laughs> a lot <laughs> in this episode. Um, so... Uh, there's definitely going to be more of that in part two. Hit us up on Patreon and L will do a reading for you on the show using whatever divination method we're covering. Patreon.com slash Mancy. Also, if you like the show, please share with your friends. The more support we have, the more episodes we can make. If you like my writing, you can pick up books at rjwalkerpoet.com. And apparently TikTok is becoming a thing for the podcast. We are Mancy Podcast on TikTok, and I try to post weird history facts and whatever dumb shit I'm doing. So uh, (laughs) check that out, Mancy Podcast on TikTok. If you wanted to get a reading from me, you can find me on Etsy, which is Laurels of Lux. Um, Yeah, you can also just shoot me a message there. So if you're like, I don't know how to contact you, you can shoot me a message there. You can also email me, laurelsoflux at Gmail, which, yeah, maybe that's the way to get in touch with me. Whatever. Anyway, if you're a person that's like, what is the cost of journeying? How could I do that? You can totally message me or shoot me an email and we can talk about it, too. The music was provided by, in order of appearance, Hayden Fulker, Arthi Vinke. Me, you, and Scott Buckley. <laughs>